voice is, it ain't got no better since this morning. But anyhow, I feel great, though. I feel great. So good to be here. Does anyone have anything before we go to Lord and pray? Well, Brother Bob, if you don't mind, will you pray for me? Yes, sir. Our Heavenly Father, we bow tonight thanking you, God, for the wonderful blessings, God. We bow tonight, God, thanking you, Heavenly Father, for the year to come, God. Uh, we know that we know not what tomorrow may hold, Heavenly Father, uh, but we do know who holds tomorrow, God. Uh, we know it's you, uh, Heavenly Father, that it's you that we trust in uh, today, and it's you that we'll trust in tomorrow. Uh, we know, Heavenly Father, that if time should be no more, God, our eternal salvation, Heavenly Father, has, an anchor, has us anchored with this, uh, your realm, God, and your kingdom, God, will always remain there. And Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for your presence. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for your presence with us here tonight, God, uh, for your presence this morning. Uh, we thank you, God, when we feel like we're alone, dear God. Uh, we just don't have to look far, and we see your presence with us, God, and we feel it. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, Heavenly Father, for being a a true and a living God to us, Heavenly yes. Father. Uh, one that has uh, our feelings, God, that knows uh, what we're going through, Heavenly Father. You're not. You came into this world uh, as a son. You came in this world as a man, dear God. And you know what we're going through, Heavenly Father. And Heavenly Father, let us realize, dear God, uh, that we have no excuse when we stand before you. This, yes. uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you, God for this life you've given us, for the abundance of life that we have. We thank you, God, for our families. And Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for the grace and the wisdom and the mercy, God. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for the ability to take another step. Yes, and we give thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Let's sing another song here. Uh, I love this song right here. Look, page 342, Rock of Ages. What's
this one right here, I think Chris likes this one right here. It says, uh, look at page 743. Be strong in the Lord. I think that's one of your songs you like there. 743. Yeah. Now, I take that back. That's not it. Yeah, which one? Well, no, I've ever played it, but we'll try. Well, take, look at page 712. Take it back. Go to 
I'm going to go home. I'm going to listen to the National Anthem We can't even speak Finnish, let alone sing in Finnish, can we? So I listen to it. Yeah, there you go. You know, I used to work with a group of fans that absolutely knew all there was to know about nothing. <laughs> I know some people. Like that. <laughs> I think Chris and Mayor had some of the history they've got. He knows a lot. Yeah. Especially when it comes to songs. They can tell you who wrote it and everything about it. That's a talent. It I'm just I feel very ignorant. So that's why I make jokes, because I feel very ignorant. <laughs> y'all you know, you know, might not know this, talking about Chris, he's very, he's very adamant on learning new things. He's always been that way. Uh, he can play the violin, too. He's excellent. He had to play for a while, but I hope he gets back to it. And that's just me speaking. But I saw a video of him. Good. Yeah. He plays the trumpet too. Yeah. In the trumpet. That's getting on with our stuff. <laughs> <laughs> we got Dwayne and Miranda. He's delaying because he's sick of me. <laughs> there was a time in my life when I played like I could play the talk. Oh, really? Hey, we didn't get together. Chris will teach you that guitar, I guess tonight I want to talk to us just a few minutes. It'll be one of these why do we do what we do lessons, okay? And what I want to touch on for just a few minutes, this won't take very long at all, but we just came out of conference. And in conference, the business we do, we follow a set of rules called parliamentary procedure. And they're important. And if you turn on me to one verse in the book, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, there's a little bitty verse. I don't think it's got but eight or nine words, but oh my goodness what it says. And I want to talk just a few minutes tonight, this won't take very long, about why we do what we do, especially in conference, okay? But Paul's writing to the Corinthians, and he ends up chapter 14 with verse number 40, and he says, let all things be done decently and in order. And boy, that's a mouthful. Let all things be done decently and in order. Amen. He mentions order in another place as well. Very rarely Paul ever mentions something one time. But what I want to talk to you about is just the basics of, of why we do what we do, to help you understand, because trust me, when the ordination comes, there'll be parliamentary procedure flying around like bats, okay? It'll be going left and right and back and forth, so it help us all to keep up. Uh, our association... Uh, uses as our guide uh, Kerfoot's Parliamentary Law. Now there's another book that's very possible, very popular, and it's Robert's Rules of Order. I imagine they're 99% the same, okay? I wouldn't fuss about either one of them. This happens to be the one the association has adopted. And I'm not going to read for 30 minutes, I promise. But I do need to read just a little at the beginning because it says it much better than I can. This book, by the way, was entered into an act of Congress in 1899 to the official Congressional Library, just FYI. But let me read this. It talks about just the general definition of parliamentary law or parliamentary procedure, our moves and our seconds, okay, that kind of stuff. 
parliamentary law is generally understood to be a system of rules by which deliberative assemblies govern themselves. Much of the business of mankind has to be attended to in public gatherings and assemblies. Such assemblies need to deliberate upon the measures brought before them. Hence, they are called a deliberative assembly. If, however, assemblies of this kind are to transact business in an orderly, practical way, there must be some recognized rules by which they are governed. If this is not the case, each individual will act according to his own inclination. No one will know what his rights are, nor how he is to proceed. In, and in such assemblies, if any business is transacted at all, it will be done amid confusion and disorder and will likely be controlled by the shrewdest or the loudest. Okay? Yeah. So that's why we adopt these rules as we'll get further. So that's the history of it. Now, just a little bit, a little bit about the history. Uh, to English-speaking people, for a long time, the most prominent deliberative assembly in the world was the English Parliament. And so the rules adopted by that body for the transaction of business became sort of a standard for other assemblies. The fact that it is recognized in the very name given the general body of laws for the government of assemblies vis-a-vis uh, -vis parliamentary law. And finally, in the United States, but the time came when the, Europe, when the English Parliament was no longer for all English-speaking English -speaking people, the United States came into existence and the people of this country, rather than look totally to the English, we look more towards the House of Representatives for how to, to do a deliberative body. Okay? That's all the reading I'm going to do, I promise. That little bit of history. But the conclusion really to say, well, what is parliamentary law? It's a code of common sense rules that, number one, it allows a deliber deliberative assembly to transact most successfully its proper business. But number two, and just as important, it also guards the rights of all members of the assembly. Okay? Each person, their rights are guarded by parliamentary rules. Okay? All right. Any questions, comments on that? Something you might know. All right, quickly, um, there are two types of deliberative assemblies. One is a permanent assembly. Permanent assemblies is one which does not purpose for itself any dissolution or end. Dissolution or end. It is organized with the idea of having a permanent existence of some sort. A church. A church is an assembly which never plans on disbanding and breaking up. We're considered a permanent assembly, are we not? Yeah. Okay. Hope so. We sure do. Yeah. Yeah. And there's others, but I'm trying to keep this focused to church. Yeah, we're considered, a, each individual church is considered to be a permanent assembly. All right. There's also occasional deliberative assemblies, one which are called together temporarily for a specific purpose. They transact once and for all the business for which they are assembled and then adjourn. The example being the assembly that will be formed for the ordination that we call the presbytery. 
They will be put together to take care of one deliberative business, and that's the ordaining of a man. And at the end, it will disband. It will never be put back together in that exact way again. So there's permanent and temporary. Okay. What is that called again? It's called the presbytery. It will consist of all the ordained at this church and any sister churches who come that the church approves of. And as you'll see through mainly later on, the church is the final say in everything. Uh, just a quick example in an ordination, the first thing that happens is after the presbytery has been formed and the church approves of it, the candidate can't even answer for himself. Someone from the church has to answer to is he qualified. It's still in the hands of the church. We'll study two Sundays from now? What? I don't even remember. When uh, the first deacons, who picked the first deacons? The church. It was not the apostles. The church picked them. Pick from among you. Yes, told them to pick from among you men that we're worthy to do this. So uh, until the church, and what we'll do, there'll be a representative from the church, it's called the mouthpiece, and he will speak for Brother Chris. Once that's settled, and the presbytery's happy that he's qualified, he'll speak for himself from that point forward. But it's always the body of the church has the rights, okay? Uh, da -da -da -da. That's good enough. So, so we'll see both bodies for Sunday in action. A permanent body, Liberty Hill Church, its members, and then a temporary body being the presbytery that's formed and approved of by the church. Okay. The first application of parliamentary law must be the organization of an assembly. That's the first thing you got to do is organize your assembly, right? And you'll see that with the presbytery. They'll organize themselves once the church votes to let them proceed. They'll have to organize. Until an assembly is organized, it is not in a position to transact any business except that of organization. Now, I'll tell a little story that a lot of you guys might not know. You know, our sister church down here, welcome. You know, they're not near as old as Liberty Hill. They wanted to form a church. What they did was they all came and joined Liberty Hill. And then Liberty Hill helped them to establish their church down there, and then they all moved their membership there. Okay? You didn't know that? Come on. Your dad pastor. Y'all, leave them. Wow. All right. Huh? No, I don't. They, they, they had church on a porch for a long time. Marilyn's mom was saved on the porch. Your mom. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's why we don't know about it. Yeah. It was before our time, sister, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, I, I know it didn't, it didn't happen after 1960 because I sure don't remember. Yeah. But they had to be assisted in organizing and then they could take care of things themselves. Okay? The, the old timers had a, a, a 
arm, they call that extending an arm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, now, pop test. What two offices do you have to have to have a true deliberative assembly? Moderator. Number one, moderator. Number two? Clerk. You've got to have those two, and that's all you've got to have. But you have to have those two. Yeah, if you don't keep records, you don't have you, a meeting. Yeah, if you, hadn't, if you don't have a record of it, you didn't do it. Right, what do you do if the clerk's not here? Well, first your assistant would take care of it. But if not, your first order of business should be to appoint a clerk. And you'll see... Uh, that'll happen when the presbytery organizes. They'll come up with a clerk. Now, what if the moderator's not here? What if we get down to conference and for some reason Brother Steve was sick or something? <coughs> What's the first thing you need to do? Well, well you don't have a moderator to make the... To, uh, who does that? Your job, Dickie. Nope. No. No. <laughs> the clerk. Brother Roger would administer the moving second to appoint a moderator, and then you could go from there. It is the clerk, because you only have two positions. He's number two. Yeah, it's not the role of a deacon. It's the role of a clerk to get thing, get the ball rolling. Yeah, okay? Because that's the only two things you got to have. A clerk to a, a deliberative body is just important as a moderator. It really is, and we got a good one. Amen. Yes, we do. Yeah, I'm talking about you, Roger. <laughs> Do something. Uh, something. Yeah. <laughs> now, in a permanent deliberative body, there's no minimum number of members needed or a quorum for an accepted, for your regular conference, I'll say. If there's three people here, that's enough to make a move and a second and vote on it. Mm -hmm. uh, count the moderator, yeah. So you don't have to have a minimum number of people. Now, like a temporary body, the executive board that meets the association, we have to have a minimum number. We can't do anything. But we're not a permanent organization, okay? Enough about that. Questions? So, like, like if y'all wanted to have the conference and say there was literally only three people here for a conference, y'all could have conference. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. It's the moderator and the clerk, right? Yeah. If two of the three, yeah, you'd have to have a moderator, a clerk, yeah, and a clerk would have to be quick because he'd have to make moves and run down at the same time. Yeah. Not the best situation, I realize, but yeah, yeah. All right. Just a minute. Let's give some qual qualities and qual not qualifications, some qualities of a good moderator. You're on the hot seat now, okay? He should have quick perception should be of a good judicial mind, should be entirely impartial, should be thoroughly familiar with the rules, should be of an even temper, should always act gentlemanly, should always have tact, and should be a man of promptness and firmness in all decisions. That's how Kerfoot wrote down the qualities that a moderator should have. He should be neutral. Yeah. That's, it's not his job to, for one or the other. He should be neutral. Now, what is his duties? Number one, his duty is to call a meeting to order, or as we do, he announces the church in conference. Okay? 
That's one of his duties. His second, or another duty, is to moderate the conference, including the announcement of items of business. He goes through, our, we have six. Churches have different. Some churches have a dozen. Some have five. We have six here. Some do. Oh, goodness. There's old business. Receipt of letters. They, but, but we have, well, who can name them? We just did them. Nope, that's number two. Number one, invite visiting brothers to Satan Aid and Council. Yeah, number two, peace of fellowship. Number three, volunteer acknowledgments. Four, reference. And number five, new business. And number six, at the pastor's option or the moderator's option, we open the doors of the church. Okay? So that's how we do it here. Not every church does that, and there's nowhere written down you do it a particular way. Okay? But that's how we do it here. The, the words of Bruce Cogburn, your women are silent in the conference. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that? Why do we believe that? What the Apostle Paul wrote. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he wrote it twice. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not degrading no. at all. That's, the women's livers have a hard time with that. Yeah. And, and that's one reason you won't see very many of them in the Baptist church. But that is not degrading. No. Uh, the Apostle Paul said, I assert woman, not, I, I suffer not a woman to assert authority over a man or to speak. He did not mean not testify. No. He didn't mean shout, run around, the, that you couldn't shout, run around the house. But he, he was, he was, he was simply <coughs> talking about, I believe, the business of the church. Yeah. Can I quote my wife? I don't know. Go ahead. She said, she said, I am glad we women are not in charge in the church. We're just too emotional. That's true. I agree. And if you hadn't said it, I'm not honestly going to speak to I know you're worried about that. Because I can't think of anything on my own, so I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, really, that's the truth. If you get a bunch of, and I'm a woman, you know, I'm not one of these feminist women, but I'm a, you get a bunch of women together and you start the drama. And men don't, not necessarily that men don't do that, and, and I'm going to give two sides to this thing that I'm saying here, but not necessarily that men don't do that, but men don't seem to have the, the love for drama that women do, okay? And then on the other side of this, and this was the other thing I was going to say with it, I'm glad that is not our responsibility. Yes. That, that is a, and if you don't think that's a greater responsibility, I've been a wife of a deacon and a pastor. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you, that is a great responsibility. Yeah. And I'm glad we don't have that responsibility. You know, women may want that. I'm glad we don't because yeah. there's a lot to that. And, and there's a lot of places that, that it doesn't mean as much to them. You know, there's a lot of places that kind of take this as just a social gathering and that kind of thing. But if you really, truly want to do what the Lord wants you to do, that is a great responsibility that I'm glad I don't have. Yeah, and Paul wrote it to Timothy, and he wrote it to Titus. He wrote it twice. And, and the term that's important, as Brother Steve brought out, it talks about using authority. Now, standing up here teaching, 
to congregation of men and women. Would you consider that being an authority position? Sure you would. Teachers always with the authority. And making a move in second would be considered having authority. Yeah. But like I say, that doesn't, I don't take that literally, you can't, if a woman walks through the door, she can't say a word. No, that's not what he's saying. Yeah. Any questions on that, please? Because we're not in conference. <laughs> I've always, because I, I was raised Church of God, and they it's kind of meant the same thing, basically, mm -hmm. the men are, they're, they're spiritual leaders. That mm -hmm. goes for your house, and that goes in a church as well. The women don't do the teachings and stuff like that, mm -hmm. as far as that goes, necessarily. And people would ask me, living that way, being brought that way, people would ask me, like, friends, why, why can't they? And I've never really had the, why? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Instead of, that's just how we do it, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. that sort of thing. Yeah. And I wanted to be able, I want to be able to say, well, this is where it's said, yeah. Right. Yeah. and where it came from. It's second, wait a minute. I might just give me half a second. Well, I don't have it. Oh, it's in 1 Timothy uh, 2.11. You jot down and look it up later. Right in there. 1 Timothy chapter 2 is where, that co where Paul covers that, okay? All right. Good there. Okay. Where did I get to? Uh, moderators to process the business presented. He's... You know, ask for votes, ask for discussion. He's, he's the handler of the business, okay? Another job of his is to preserve the order. The, on, uh, the only person in a church, a deliberative body, with the authority to call someone out of order and tell them to sit down is the moderator. That's it. That's it. <laughs> If that situation, I've never seen it at Liberty Hill and I hope I never do, okay, don't get me wrong. But I'm just covering the bases. He's the only one with that authority to do that. If I was to jump up and tell somebody that's out of order, he better get up and tell me I'm out of order, okay? You all right with that? Okay, just wondering there. All right. His other duty is to protect every member's rights, every single one from the youngest to the oldest. And he's to be able Everybody wants to have an example of, of, of that, of having to call a church in order and call somebody in order. Talk to Brother Jeff Landry and he can tell you. Yeah. Right. That's no fun, and we hope we never go there. Well, and let, let me say something to that. that in, in our uh, procedures, um, the um, church is the church in peace. Um, really, that says, uh, and only where um, huh? only where gospel steps have been taken. And the reason that we have a deacons meeting before our conference is I don't want our moderator surprised by anything. And any male member can can make a move. Um, it doesn't have to be the deacons, um, but it if you want it passed, you, you know you probably should talk to a deacon about it. Salem of Thunder, aren't you? 
Now, the moderator, Brother Steve, just because he's moderator, he's a member just like everybody else. If he thinks he needs to speak on a subject, he's permitted to do that. But what he needs to do is appoint somebody else to be a temporary moderator while he speaks, okay? But he doesn't lose any rights because he's moderator, okay? All right, are y'all asleep yet? Y'all still with me? All right, all right. Let's talk about Brother Roger a few minutes now. Clerk. Fairly well acquainted with parliamentary law, quick perception, ability to express himself in clear and accurate language, a quick reader of manuscript, an impressive reader before the assembly, and easily legible handwriting. <laughs> <laughs> And lastly, be a willing servant of the body. His duties are to be prepared when the meeting is called to order, to keep an accurate list of the members, record all AWL business transacted, and lastly, read all papers and letters submitted to the assembly. And likewise, Brother Roger doesn't forfeit any of his rights as a member to speak or to make a move or a second or whatever because he's clerk. He still retains those rights. Okay? Ma'am? I'd like to add something. It used to be that the clerk could perform a man's ceremony. Is that still the case? She's talking to you, Brother Chris. Can a clerk instead of Alabama perform a man's ceremony? If there are no republics, uh, but marriage ceremonies are not the law anymore. Yeah. Uh, that is, it used to be the, um, but that, that's kind of all after the Okay. Yeah, well, right now, anybody. The, the law used to dictate who could perform a ceremony. Ceremonies are not required under the law anymore. So whether you have a ceremony or not, it's up to you as an individual. You just bring your documents in, yeah. which yeah. I, I think is awful. It is what it is. Yeah. Okay. All right, I picked on the moderator and I picked on the clerk. Any questions before I pick on the rest of us? Huh, the members. And we touched on just a minute ago. How can you be a member of this church? Let's list them. Baptism. You get saved. You join church. You're baptized. A letter from a sister church of the same faith and order. You're a member. I'll pick on welcome. You're a member of welcome. You want to join here. We ask for a letter. They send the letter. Once we get the letter, you're a member here. Uh, there's another term called... Uh, well, let me, we talked about it earlier. Let's say I was a member at Woodlawn Baptist Church and it ain't there anymore. How could I join Liberty Hill? We'd take you on your statement that you were a member there. It's all we could do. There's no church there to write a letter to, right? Okay. And then there's restoration, which is a whole other topic. Uh, but let's say the church has had to deal with you. It's a way you can come back and be a member of the church again in good standing. Okay. Which is the whole purpose of church discipline. Yes, of course it is. Yeah, yeah. Okay. 
As far as rights, all members have equal rights to their proper provisions. And just as Bo said a minute ago, any brother in the church can make a move. They can have, if they want to comment in a discussion, there's no big and little members. You've got, you have the right to do that. No, it's not. Oh, <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah, he's exercising his right to interrupt me. Yeah. All right. Duties of the, of the rest of us, just the members like me. Respect the officers of the body. The moderator and the clerk should be treated with their proper respect. Uh, respect fellow members. Respect for the body. Render required service. Should submit to decisions. Now, I mentioned a minute ago, and this is a little tangent, but it's still okay. Only a moderator could tell someone they're out of order and they need to sit down. Let's say somebody stood up, I'll just throw this one out there, and started teaching that Christ really wasn't the Lord and this was all. I would expect Brother Steve to tell him to sit down. Wouldn't you? Okay. Well, let's say something is said that he didn't catch it. That was really bad. Now, you know, I'm talking about extremes here. If someone stood up and testified and said they couldn't wait to put their feet in the river in heaven, well, I don't know if I agree with that, but okay, that's what they look for, okay? I'm talking about something egregious, okay? I have the right as a member to do what's called a point of order. In other words, I call the moderator's attention to it. Yeah. Say, whoa, whoa. Moderator, we need to back up here. Something just happened. We, we, we can't let get by. Okay? So each one has that right to call it a point of order. But only the pastor can actually call, tell someone, you are out of order. You need to sit down. There again, you're protecting the rights of every member. Okay? Right. Yes. Yes, ma'am. That's when you see the husband go, oh, what? <laughs> now, now, what's, uh, let's, let's paint ourselves in a corner, though. You've painted yourself in a corner when the only person that knows the answer is a woman. Well, I've, I, I've, I've said this before. In conference, a moderator has three best friends. One of them is a recess for five minutes. Okay? Let's take a reset for five minutes. And she can say whatever she wants. <coughs> if she needs to speak to something. And then we'll go back into conference. A second thing a moderator has is uh, we don't know what to do. The old saying, we've got to do something? No, we don't. Let's table the matter. Let's just punt. You know, the old saying in the football, that's the language we all understand. Let's punt this down the road till we can get our act together. And then the and in worst case scenario, the last best friend a moderator has, and it's not debatable, is the move to adjourn. <laughs> Let's just hang it up for tonight. Uh, you can't debate a move to adjourn. It can get a move in a second and you vote on it. So that's his best friends when conference gets screwy, right? Yeah. But uh, that, to me, is the ideal way to handle it. If, you, if a woman needs to speak to something, take a five-minute recess. Let her speak, okay? Comments, questions there. All right. Last page. 
I just want to talk about actually the, the conducting of conference, and I'll be through here in another five minutes. Uh, if a person wanted to make a move in second, they must obtain the floor. Now, if you wanted this by the book, and, and we really don't do it totally by the book, I should stand up and say, Brother Moderator. And he would look at me and say, Brother Michael. Okay, if you really want to get nitpicky with it, that's how it should be. But we let that slide a little bit. I mean, you know, but technically that's how it's supposed to happen. Okay. And I shouldn't say a word until he addresses me to give me the floor. Okay. Like I said, that gets to me a little bit nitpicky. All right. Once then, let's see, presents any Then the person would present a move present an idea, a thought, something he wishes by means of what is called a motion. And we say, I offer a move that we, whatever, okay? All motions require a second to go forward. What happens if there's no second? Uh, it, it just dies. It's like it never happened, okay? So if uh, Brother Don gets up and makes a move, we paint the church outside orange, and nobody seconds it, it's like it never happened. Okay? Okay. How long do you get that? Depends on what the move is. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, I, moderator? <laughs> yeah, really it is. Yeah. If you got people going, you know, give them a little more time. Sure. Ample time. Is that a good enough answer? Yeah. Okay. Does that get recorded at all? No. It never happened. It never happened. Okay? Isn't that right, Brother Roger? Okay. All right. Okay. It's not necessary that it be withdrawn. No. Mm -hmm. No. Mm -mm. No. Okay. Only if it's seconded and then yes. the vote goes. Yes. Yes. Then, okay. Yeah. You, basically, you withdraw it backwards. Yeah. Okay. Another whole another can of worms there, though. We don't want to get that deep in it. Sometimes. <laughs> during discussion you realize that didn't need to be done yeah. and so yeah. the person that made the, the move can withdraw it has to be yeah let's say we made a move in second we got to talk about it and all of a sudden we figured out you know that's a bad idea well then the person that seconded the move with it, or the person that made the move would withdraw his move and the second would withdraw his second and it's like we never did it. Okay? Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, according to parliamentary law by Kerfoot, the person making the second does not have to stand up. Now, I know you fussed at Bobby about that a few times, but he don't have to stand up to make a second. <laughs> All right. Following an adequate time for general discussion, the proposed move in second is presented to body for a vote. There again, who has the final say? The body of the church, each individual member. Yeah, the way it should be. Yeah, that's the final say of anything. A properly moved and seconded motion must be voted on before another one's taken up. You, know, you kind of get going here and go here. Oh, well, that's a good idea. I move we do that. Now, wait, you need to handle this one first. The move second you've got, you need to vote on that one. Then take up the next one. Got to keep it separate, okay? Okay, so... <laughs> I 
where um, we nominate somebody mm -hmm. uh, for robot. Okay. Then I move the nominations are closed. Mm -hmm. So move before is that because there's not been a second? No. Yeah. That's because of acclamation. That's yeah. because we had a move to it's, elect by nomination. It's kind of a moving second inside of a moving second, if that makes any sense. You just had to throw that out there, didn't you? Oh, yeah. I know. Yeah, way to go, cuz. Yeah, yeah. And the reason for nomination of acclamation instead of a moving second is it gives, I don't particularly like it, but it gives the opportunity for two or three people to be nominated. Yes. Yeah. And that can happen. And then you take each one of them. And you have a vote. You have a vote on Yeah. And uh, that can be a moderator's nightmare. Yes. And the reason for all of this that we're talking about is order. Yeah. Because without order, what you have? Chaos. Yeah. This is the only purpose for all of these rules is that we keep everything flowing just like it's supposed to where there's no question about the integrity of it. And I think I'm going to give Liberty Hill a flower because I've heard Brother Steve say it. I heard Brother Kyle say it. I heard the former pastor say it. I sure appreciate the way y'all do your business here because it is such a smooth operation. Yeah. Sometimes we just say that to make y'all No. Yeah, I know. I know. It is. Because Brother Steve said, "Did you ever get? Did you ever get nervous?" And he's done it a lot more than I have of moderating conference. And I said, "Yeah, I did, especially at the beginning, because it wouldn't matter how many times I went over the order, because their order where I was pastor was different than ours. Yeah, we yeah. had ten items of business. Yeah, sure. And so some of those were uh, the uh, were accepted by." vote and some of them was just the uh, uh, like peace and fellow the church being at mm -hmm. peace and fellowship yeah. was done by seat and silence and that mm -hmm. would allow the clerk, yeah. Yeah. clerk to record the church in peace and but they were some of the things that okay do I when you get to a point um, let's say at one point you got reading of the previous minutes well you could say the, the previous uh, we had a chair the the treasurer's report was read and then we did so and so in the minute some churches and the one that I was a pastor at would go through the whole treasurer's report again and everything again uh, when we did the uh, the minutes the reading of the minutes so it's very lengthy. So at some point, everything's finished, and no matter how many times I went over that when I first started, I was like, okay, now where are we? Because we just did the entire last conference, and, and, and then I'd have to basically, I had notes on it to keep me straight, and get in there were times I messed up. And when I messed up, there was one deacon who was very knowledgeable, part of many procedures, and I could always count on him. And that's Brother Clark came. Brother Clark would always let me know and help us get back in order. And I would always thank the man because I appreciate it. And, and, and him helping me, others would have said, oh, it's okay. No, it's not okay. Um, we need to do things right and in order. We need to be able to hold our heads up.
to our every other member we face. We need to also, as a church, be able to present our what's done here at, at Liberty Hill to our sister churches sure. with the ability to hold our heads up high. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I'm sorry, brother. No, you're okay, okay. So that's all I have just in closing. I wanted to go through this tonight because what we'll see for Sunday, once this presbytery of ordained is formed and, and the church, Liberty Hill, approves it, first thing they'll do is elect a moderator and then they'll elect a clerk. You'll see they're following this parliamentary law. They're like they're having, it's like we'll be having our own little conference, if I can put it that way. So they will actually do it that day in the ordination? Yes. Yes. There, yes. There will be two or three moves made by the church. To, yes. Uh, I can't remember all of that. To accept the presbytery and whatever. To turn the candidate the over to the presbytery. And then after that, everything that's done is the is the presbytery. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then the last, very last, am I still in your thunder again? The last. No, that's a couple Sundays. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. It's a kind of, kind of want to touch on a minute anyway. And the, the last thing that, well, the next to last thing the presbytery does when they're finished is return the candidate to the church as an ordained. And then they adjourn. What did I miss? We have to accept the work of the presbytery. Yeah. Well, I said that's what the presbytery yes. does. Yes. Then the church. Liberty Hill will accept their work. There again, the final say is Liberty Hill, the church. Okay? And then that presbytery is disbanded. Forever. Yeah. And I'm gonna, what I hope to do for Sunday is I want to go over the steps. Okay? That, that's what I want to do. Anybody question? I'm done.